Okay, hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to a special episode of Book Talk. Um, we read Red, White, and Royal Blue at the same time, I think, a couple days apart, and figured we'd give you all a special episode um, talking about that. So four episodes squished into one, and we have just as many feelings as we would in four episodes. <laughs> Um, and can't wait to not debate slash debate with you about this. <laughs> Spoilers will be coming at you in this episode. Mm, good call. Start with a quick summary in case you haven't read this book. You can still follow along with us. Um, this story is set in 2019 and it follows the first female president and her family. They're from Texas and she's running for re-election. Um, the story really centers around her son, Alex, and his enemy turned frenemy turned um, lifelong lover, Henry. And then it follows Henry's parallel life. He is the second son of the queen and a royal. Um, and it follows them but also everyone who is kind of interconnected in their lives their friends their family their political rivals and that's what we're going to talk about yeah so I feel like this book was everywhere I saw it on TikTok I saw it on Instagram and it was like so popular Mm -hmm. I think I came into it expecting just something different than I got maybe not different but it was just like so hyped I was expecting it to be like my favorite book of all time So do you think that you, like, hated it because it's so popular? (laughs) (laughs) Just jump in right into it. (laughs) So why did you – here's the thing, guys. Let me just tell you that I found out that Erica Love hated this by the Instagram post on our shared book talk account where she said, Katie loves this book and I love hated it. And I said, schedule a podcast for Wednesday and got some thoughts. (laughs) We always have thoughts. Yeah. Let's hear it. Why did you love hate it? (laughs) I think that if I had read this book in a different year other than 2020 with just like the unique things that 2020 brought to me, I would have felt differently. So like I feel I had issues with the book primarily because it just didn't make sense to me on like a fundamental level. So I which again, it's like it's so 2020. I got really into watching The Crown and I got really into politics in 2020, like to a degree of like understanding every single county in, you know, Georgia and how they would vote and what the predictions of like the blue belt states and like just I feel like I know so much more about two really specific topics that are covered in this book one being presidential politics and the other being (laughs) the royal family that made this book really difficult to kind of go along with so the first is just like the election results were just absolutely incoherent like to me a story where Pennsylvania goes red but Texas goes blue is just like not a presidential map that exists in any form of reality at all and it was just like how is this even going to make sense like she loses all of the Midwest and then Texas goes blue like in what world is that happening I'm sorry Georgia went blue this year so like I don't know is that really a parallel universe but like it's Texas (laughs) I want you to say I want you to say that to Beto Beto whatever his name is Beto work yeah I want you to call him and tell him that it's impossible I don't think it's impossible but just like not in a world where a lot of other things like a lot of other relative states go blue like it's just like to have a swing like that in Texas without having a swing like that in other similar states just doesn't make any sense but then the second thing that I thought 
was like really confusing is Henry's role with being in line for the throne because from my expert understanding based solely on watching the crown Henry's like not very likely to actually be in line for the throne like it would be his brother then his brother's kids and if his brother doesn't have kids then it would go to his sister and then his sister's kids and then it would go to him so the likelihood that he would either actually have to be king or he would even really be considered seriously in line for the throne just doesn't make sense to me okay we'll say that that part is weird he's like I'll just abdicate and I was like well you don't have to do that dude you could just like but I do feel like it's kind of like a I feel like the bringing in the abdication of that we can definitely get into some royal debates here but like I think bringing in the abdication was not didn't really make sense I will say that I was I still think the family dynamics Mm -hmm. were not super far off as far as the queen being extremely like this is not okay and somebody else like right kind of stepping in and bringing a more liberal approach to it but I think the fact that he was like I'll just abdicate (laughs) or you could just like leave you know like you already have like 17 foundations so you'd have some money and like you know yeah it just didn't make any sense right like you don't have to abdicate this isn't a thing because you're not going to be king right but and you so like if you're kicked out of the royal family you're just going to like lose your okay okay so you don't like this book Uh, mm -hmm. okay I I don't want to say I don't like this book like I love hated this book I feel like it was like a guilty pleasure I don't know I guess I'm like I'm confused about who this book is written for because like I found the characters to be sort of like a young adult novel level but then the sex scenes were like x-rated like it kind of reminds me of Bridgerton where I'm like who is this designed for but like even less because in Bridgerton I feel like the characters were kind of complex but here it's just like oh my god, everything is kind of surface level, and yet we're having these, like, extremely explicit sex scenes. Okay, I'm not that far into Bridgerton, but can't wait to do the X-rated sex scenes. Definitely super steamy. (laughs) I mean, like, I liked it. Like, that part was enjoyable. Okay, that's what I was going for here. Like, did you like the book overall? Like, overall, what was your feeling when you finished reading it? I mean, I read it in 24 hours. Like, I couldn't put it down. Okay, so, I mean... Okay, here's how I feel about this. Please tell me. I And I have something I want to talk about at the end of it. I do think that, again, I read it in – I read it very quickly as well. I think I didn't pick up on some of these details, though now that you're saying it, like I'm remembering – like I know that it was Texas, but in my head I'm also – I feel like I have real election – and I, like, know where Maricopa County is, like, stupid shit that, like, I did not know before this year, like, because of this election. But I also am, like, I'm reading a book, so I fully just, like, glossed over things like that. I'm like, okay, a state that traditionally goes red went blue. A state that traditionally went blue goes red. Like, okay, that happens. That happened. And then I'm like, okay, the prince is basically fighting back against conservative and outdated royal norms. Yes, checks the box. Like, I wasn't like, oh, he's third in line. And if his, like, all the details of it, because I feel like this is the kind of book where I would just, like, let myself not relate the book to reality and, like, just fall in love with their love story. Um, I think the PG and then the sex scenes is interesting. Um, I think you're definitely reading a romance novel. So I feel like it was kind of like PG surface level, but also that's kind of what you're reading it for. Like it's a different kind of genre. I also find it very interesting that you haven't read Beach Read yet because I feel like that would relate to this as well. But the one thing I did want to talk about is how you, like I think this is the book too. I, I really liked it. I think it's a good like escape book, um, which I feel like we 
differ on why people read books because I feel like you called this book and not like accusatory. You called this book, but you refer to the book. <clears throat> I literally have it written down. Oh no. Oh <laughs> um, no. You called this book a guilty pleasure. And I just wanted to know why like reading a love story, especially when we don't read in, in this talk about mainstream media about two men normally is like a guilty pleasure. Why is happiness like that? Like reading like that, a guilty pleasure to you. Oh, man. Now I feel like it's, like, really cringy that I said that. I don't want to take away from what I think is really important, which is that this is a romance novel featuring two um, men, also one who's bisexual, which I think is, like, the representation is really important. I also think on, like, a more general level, obviously what women like and what they enjoy is often, like, mocked and called, you know trivial or whatever and I I don't want to say that I do I do just feel that when I read a book like like I'm the person who like I want to watch a documentary like I am just like so probably too obsessed with like getting ahead with learning with being productive with like digging deeper with like uncovering and it's really hard actually for me to like relax it's really hard for me to like take some time just for pleasure I don't know like what that comes down to it's probably like a lot of different things um but yeah I think when I read a book I'm really trying to like learn something I'm trying to go somewhere and I'm trying to experience something different and I felt like this book just didn't get like deep enough for me but I guess I am kind of like exaggerating I mean I do like watch every episode of The Bachelor Hey, that's what I was going to say, though. Like, I feel like you watch TV to relax. Yeah. And, like, to, you watch The Bachelor or, like, what was that stupid show where the people went on and, like, tried not – fell in love in a circle? Um, Love is Blind or mm-hmm. The Circle? Yes. So, like – or whatever. All those, all those, like, stupid shows. Like, you watch it, Netflix or – the bachelor or whatever to like mm-hmm. make you feel like you don't watch it and feel nothing you feel like excited or like happy for them or you feel something when you're watching like you watch or even if it's like great british breaking show you watch them like all help the guy jamie who's failing and you're like this is very sweet to watch i feel like i also read books like yes to make me learn something and understand something but also the same way that like to make me feel something in that sense as well like just to read a good love story because it's like such a good mood to put you in for the day so I feel like that may be the difference is like I feel like you can get that from tv or a book the same way you could be someone who reads for only pleasure but watches only documentaries but I still feel like it's it's an interesting concept as well that even we call like I mean the bachelor is a different a different conversation to call a guilty pleasure because we know there's a lot of like problematic things within the bachelor so I feel like we can call that a guilty pleasure but I think it's interesting because in Beach Read, she's a romance novel and he's like a very serious novelist. And that's not any spoilers. I won't say what happens, but like they're two novelists who write opposite genres. And she basically is like, I know that you think that this is like something stupid that I'm just writing this genre because whatever, like I'm just writing these like silly love stories that never happen in real life. But she's like, I'm writing them to help people like believe or hope or remember that you can, or like remember those feelings in their own selves that they once had kind of thing, especially because they're like, does it have to be a guilty pleasure because it's like a mushy love story? Does it have to? And I'm not saying you said this, but I'm saying in general, I feel like it's things that we're, we feel like we're not 
we're supposed to be like embarrassed of having read, like embarrassed of like loving only this genre. And that's what she talks about in Beatrice. Like you're supposed to be like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure because it's like a love story and it's not like serious enough. Or, oh, I loved that Christmas movie because everything ended up okay. That's like a guilty pleasure. Like, can it just be a pleasure? Can you just like enjoy it? Or is it like kind of the same thing as people calling everybody basic? Like you can't have your pumpkin spice latte because like you're then not cool enough. <laughs> we know. know you love your your pumpkin spice lattes, Katie. <laughs> oh, I know. This is a fully personal rant right now to everyone else calling me basic. Yeah, like, no, I'm fully here. Like, I love romance novels and I love, like, silly, mushy things like that. And I love a pumpkin spice latte. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I love an oat milk latte, so we're both predictable. Going back to like our discussion from last week about people who are like, oh, well, have you read The Grapes of Wrath or whatever? Like, have you read Of Mice and Men recently? I'm like, no, I haven't read Of Mice and Men recently, but I think about it every time I pick up my cat. But okay. Um, the <laughs> oh, that was not a good Lenny reference. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, it's like, you know, you have this group of people who like read, which I mean, we know is like good for you. We know that it's like way better than screen and whatever this, like this meta concept of reading. And then you have people who enjoy different kinds of books, but there are definitely like, oh, well, you don't read this intellectually. Oh, you read to like relax. Oh, you like to read love stories that we group people into then not being certain things that maybe they are in other aspects. So I feel like that's my pushback on calling certain things guilty pleasures. Right. It reminds me a lot of like, the way that some people approach like films and being like very knowledgeable about certain types of films and I feel like that is like associated with a lot of privilege it's like I've had the access and the education to like watch hours and hours of Hitchcock and like analyze it and understand it and that somehow signals that I'm like smarter than you are but I think really what it signals is just like your parents like let you borrow whatever movies you wanted and like you had the free credits to take a film class in college whereas like I didn't because I was working full-time so I feel like it's like you know it's not fair but it also is like so gendered it has to be gendered as well someone should write like a dissertation about this I think about this debate Jen and I have too she recommends a lot of movies and she'll be she watches a lot of movies and I don't and she'll be like hey a good example is his marriage story She was like, oh, my God, Marriage Story was so good. Like, the acting was so good. And I watched that, and I was like, I feel like I hate these people after this movie. I don't feel good about my life. Like, I feel like this was truly awful to watch. Like, yes, divorce happens, and that's, like, a real part of life, and kids get involved, and it's sad. But, like, yikes, it's not what I wanted to watch after a 10-hour workday. And, like, I don't feel – you know what I mean? So it's, like, it's interesting. She's like, yeah, but it's such a good movie artistically. And I'm like, yeah, I don't watch movies for the artistic effects. Like, I like a good drama or, like, a good – I don't want to see people fight. <laughs> like, ugh. I mean, same. I do think part of what was really cute and well done in the book is just, like, the interactions back and forth of, like, them falling in love the first time they're, like, texting each other and then they're escalating and then they call each other and it's like, oh, I remember this, like, feeling of, like – dating and how things kind of like progress and flirting and it like that part I thought was like very accurate and also very sweet right like will Alex and Henry even last beyond this I don't know but it's like I think I read this book more like when you and I work in the pro and you're like telling me 
the story of like meeting Dan and like Aww. like I don't know, your first but like seriously like you think about I think about my friends like telling me these stories that are like full of their own ups and downs and good bits and drama and crazy nights or whatever and you're like you're like invested and you want to know but and I want it to work out but like also I'm just like this is a really good story <laughs> Like, also, as somebody who's also in a relationship for a really long time, I like that it reminds you of those, like, beginning days because sometimes they seem, like, far away, but it's, like, it takes you back in an instant. And you're, like, "Mm, hi. Okay, I want to talk about their, like, side romance side stories. I want, like, a spinoff book for a lot of these people. Like, Zara, I really want to know who she is. I am endlessly interested in government operatives' secret lives. I don't know. I also think that the side character stories were not well developed enough either. Like, I thought her relationship with Henry's, like, security guy was fun and cute. But I just feel like everything in the story is to serve Alex. And he also is just basically ignoring all of the needs and, like, lives of people around him. And, like, expecting them to drop everything and help him with his relationship, which is, like, putting... So many people in danger, putting, like, national security at risk or whatever. And then some of the, like, side characters just also didn't make sense to me. Like, the whole, like, Diego plot of, like, let me run from an – I'm an independent. And then I'm going to run as vice president with a Republican conservative as, like, an inside, like, joke. Like, or, like, to get inside information. It just didn't make any sense to me. Like, there's so many other ways that you could have, like – investigated the campaign or like found out things about that guy without like potentially losing the election like I don't know I just found that like really confusing I found it I just found that unbelievable and also just feel like there was so much more with that character that we really didn't get to see or didn't really get fully developed I didn't like love the Luna story because I feel like Like, I understand that he wanted to, like, infiltrate the campaign from the inside and try to, like, expose this guy for who he really was. But I feel like there had to have been another way to expose him and get people to side with him. But you know what? The power of people who are in politics is sometimes, like, really scary. And so maybe he felt like that truly was his only option. I don't know. But I do feel like it was a little bit unbelievable as well at that part of it. Like, his specific story, I was like, well, I didn't think we need to do it this way. I feel like we have a lot of really smart people in the world that probably could have figured out how to expose this person in a different way. Like, someone didn't come pretend to be Harvey Weinstein's assistant for 10 years to expose him. Like, that's not how that happened. So, like, I think there probably is another way to expose people who are, like, bad humans. We're in 2021. Right. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's just I don't understand the rules or, like, the parameters of this made-up world. And it just, like, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what is this weird liberal fantasy world where we have, like, an openly gay Latino senator independent who can just run with a conservative like okay what is what's the difference world? between that and Rodham because Rodham was more serious but it was also still like liberal porn of what happens if Hillary Clinton actually just won damn <laughs> okay that's a really good point wow okay it's so hard because I don't know I don't have this all the way thought through but what Rodham did which I really liked is it looked a lot at like our gendered perceptions of ambitious women or just you know our perceptions of the gendered nature of ambition and how we relate to it I think 
what Rodham showed is also how one like simple choice can really have these like ripple effects and change so much but it was still like very rooted in reality I mean Bill Clinton is still who he is in the book and Donald Trump is still who he is and even like Hillary is still who she is just in a different version of her life and it's a very like provocative way to say like you know how one choice one relationship one decision can have like so many consequences and can just change so many things like you know in this extreme example can change like the outcome of presidential election right yes I will say it is an alternate reality and Rodham is much more closely tied to what actually would have happened but I think they're both I mean it's it's like one of those things where like Levi and I were talking about um I'm going to relate this, I promise. Three women. And he was like, I just feel like these stories are not like these. He's like, I want to read about like badass. Also, if he listens to this, he's going to be upset. But like, if he was like, I want to read stories about like badass women who are like killing it, who are doing things. And I was like, yeah, but that's not most women. Like, I just, sometimes we want to read stories about these and like understand the world from the eyes of women who are not the first female president. We're reading a fantasy book about a female president, which feels annoying because it's like, that should be, why is this like, an alternate reality it's like shouldn't be that big of a deal but like it is still that big of a deal as much as that sucks like it is still currently like a fantasy I mean one that we can make happen but like it is it's like annoying that that's the fantasy but like it is still a fantasy like it's still never been done which is wild right I don't know maybe I'm coming around to more of like understanding the appeal it reminds me of um, what Dan Levy has said about Schitt's Creek and how it's like a world where homophobia doesn't exist and this is a world where it all works out where we can have a woman of color who's a divorcee who is president we can have an openly gay male uh, senator which I don't we don't currently have um who's also a person of color and then we can have this relationship which is like almost an international scandal between two men and we can celebrate one of them being openly bisexual and you know that's not the worst thing that's ever happened you know people read their emails and their intimate messages and it's just it ends up okay um I get the appeal of a world like that, but that's not the world we live in. And, you know, as people, we also don't get to, like, walk into the sunset holding hands together. Like, we have to live with ourselves um, after the book ends. So I understand the appeal of it, but to me, it's just, it's not as realistic compared to the books we're talking about, like Rodham and Three Women or even, you know, Memorial. Right. And that's like what I felt about three women. I mean, it was hard because I was like, I need to reskin this book before I can have a debate about it with him because like he is reading it right now. And I was like, yeah, I feel like it wasn't a happy ending book. I didn't. But it was also like reading three was some of the best nonfiction because it was also reading three women's real lives. And as much as we want people to be these versions, we imagine them to be as much as we want all the women we read about to be these badass, confident, secure self-respecting people like sometimes they're also not and they're not like they don't have to be that kind of woman to be taken seriously or deserve the things that a woman should deserve that's my feelings on that um okay I feel like this was really good I kind of like these occasional like one book debates like I get all my feelings out at once 
And I was very nice <laughs> during that debate. Yes, you were very nice. I just like all the books that we read and talk about together. I feel like I got so much more out of it now after like talking to you about it and thinking about it a little bit more deeply. So I would love to do more one-off episodes. So like, let us know what other books we should have a special episode about. Um, I feel like sometimes it's even more interesting to look at books that we don't like. You know, we like recorded a special or a test episode of the podcast that we never ended up releasing about Stray, which we both absolutely hated. We, I mean, I know I, I, I that book was truly awful. Um, well, next time you read a book that you hate that you think I would also hate, let me know. <laughs> All right, deal. Okay, let's talk talk. Talk talk. Katie, what are you reading right now? Beside Beach Read, which I should read. What book you're Oh, Beach Read is good right now. I also bought again, I feel like when I feel stressed, like when there's like an actual coup happening, I also go back to like reading books that I love or books that are like cheesy little whatever, happy stories. This book called The Blue Bistro, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's like Elon Hildebrand, so it's definitely a romance novel book, kind of. But um, it's like about a restaurant and I haven't read it since I like worked in restaurants, but I just stole it from my mom's house and I'm reading it again. <laughs> Not yet, but I'm going to read it again. I'm going to probably read it in like 24 hours, but I remember it made me be like, I love restaurants and this, there is still this like magical world behind the curtain. Right. Yeah. I really, really miss working in restaurants sometimes. I think I just miss like being in a restaurant <laughs> at this point. Um, okay. We're going to do the um, end on a high note. Um, okay. Let me try and think of a high note. Um, I have been reading Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror, which I think is just like absolutely fascinating. She's just like completely brilliant um, and has like so many good insights that I feel inspired, I guess, to do research. It's like very, it's a weird time because I feel inspired and creative and excited about our podcast and about my dissertation and research, but it feels weird to be like, I feel like that meme of the dog where everything around him is on fire and he's like, it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, dissertation research and trick mirror. Those are my two high notes for this week. Can you put that in my next shipment of books from you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I will. What was your high note? Oh, my high note is I'm going to go back to gymnastics on Saturday night. Oh, fun. Um, I'm assuming you guys have to wear masks. Have you uh, worn a mask working out yet? <sighs> yes, which is unfortunate. And no, I haven't. But it is different than a workout because I do feel like a workout, I think, would be very hard. Like I think about going to Orange Theory with a mask, and I'm like, absolutely not because your heart rate is so high the whole time. I feel like gymnastics is much more like a sprint, and then you, like, catch your breath, like – you do it for two minutes, then you like stand by and think, watch the video, figure out what you could do better, or like practice a beam routine, which is like no cardio. But no, I haven't worn a mask workout, so that part will be weird. Um, but I'm just gonna like take it easy and just my new goal is to like figure all the tricks I can do without my arms. That can't be easy. <laughs> so, like, there can't be that many. Need to get a standing back tuck, need to get a side aerial, need to get some like round off folds. Like, I don't need to um, ever do a back handspring again. Okay. And our right. handstands are getting better, so I feel like I can, like, trust my elbow to, like, support me on a trampoline. Yay. 
Yay. Um, okay. It's eight o'clock. I need to go eat dinner. Same. All right. Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Yes. Okay. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like you, if I, we've also both been in relationships for, what is it now? Like seven, eight years. Forever. Oh my God. (laughs) But sorry. I'm going to say that. I I swear Um, we're super happy. (laughs)